Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. The NFL is back. So is college football, for that matter. Full stadiums. You know, we're still trying to get the the Rona under control. But as I tried to tell to people who aren't very intelligent, I try to tell them this, is that people are like, it's just the flu, it's da 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 you know, the difference is is the, the flu has been around for, you know, 100 years. Uh, a lot of viruses have been around for a long period of time. The problem uh, with the coronavirus is it just popped up. It was new. And just like with any new virus, it, it takes time for A, people's body to adjust to it, and B, you know, to have the proper, you know, medicine and and know the proper way to take care uh, of it for people that get sick. I mean, if you're 30 years old, you've been getting the flu since she was like five. <laughs> so your body's like, ah, it's flu again. Let's get to work. Yeah, this is new. It's like, you know, it's like going to Britain and driving on the, the, the cars. The, the car has the, the wheel on the other side. Yeah, this is new. This might take a bit getting used to. So we're working on it. It's getting bad. It's getting bad. But the NFL is back. That means, you know, overreactions are happening ASAP. What I want to talk about, though, is something uh, that I heard last night while I was watching Sunday Night Football and Chris Collins' work. Because we've talked about this before. And a lot of times, you know, I don't really get to hear all of the the uh, commentators because you know I'm I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Red Zone you know I, I got the direct TV I got multiple TVs going you know so I'm watching and doing my own thing shout out to Chris Hansen the GOAT so uh, oftentimes you know I don't hear every single announcer what they're trying to say but obviously with your Monday night footballs and your Sunday night footballs and your Thursday night footballs and your Tuesday college, whatever, you know, all of this different stuff. You get to hear some of the announcers. You know, Chris Collinsworth has been bad for a very long period of time. That's that's not in question, right? That's not in question. But the thing that I've always talked about when it comes to black quarterbacks, right? Like, first of all, I don't really even like the term black quarterback in the sense that it tries to separate them from white quarterbacks. Like, you don't say, if there was a running, I mean, you don't call Christian McCaffrey a white running back. He's, he's just a very good running back, right? If you see a white corner or something like that, you don't go out of your way to call them white whatever. Man, that's a, that's a white cornerback or a white safety or whatever. Like, yeah, you understand that it's a bit of an anomaly. You don't see too many, you know, white wide receivers. 
But when I see Cooper Cup out there balling, yeah, I know he's white, but I didn't see somebody balling. So I never really liked the whole term black quarterback. You know, it's it's a separatist term, segregation term. Like these quarterbacks are different. They're black. Hey, woo. But anyway, maybe that's another discussion for another day. The problem that I have is this, is that I think teams in general in 2021, while there is still some inherent uh, racism uh, within organizations, and this is what's going to happen when you have 32 basically Republican owners, um, I do think they've gotten better in just choosing the best player, the best quarterback. There are times you do have to wonder, you know, their thought process in the sense. But to me, I think what happens is more times than not, it's not so much that they are holding things against the black quarterback as opposed to enhancing what they see in the white quarterback. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's like they see a Zach Wilson, right? Now, if Zach Wilson was black and he went to BYU, they would just kind of rate him as they rated him. But because he's white, they enhance certain things. They overlook certain things. So, while I do think it's better with teams just, you know, over, you know, picking the best player, regardless of some of the stereotypes that are out there, I mean, you still see black quarterbacks going high in the draft, you'd still see a Jameis Winston going number one, a Cam going number one, a Kyler Murray, a Trey Lance, number three, right? There's there's going to always be those anomalies like, you know, how in the hell did Mitchell Trubisky go before, you know, Deshaun Watson? And, you know, you're going to see, it seems like how in the hell did Justin Fields, you know, fall so far when, there really wasn't that much difference between him and, and Trevor Lawrence. And he had much more experience than Trey Lance. You know, if if Mac Jones was black, would he have been chosen 15? Like I said, you know, there's still things that are out there. But I do, like I said, I do think teams have gotten better just choosing the best player. What hasn't gotten better, though, is the media in regards to stereotype and you know I don't know if you want to call it uh covert racism maybe you know you know ignorance I don't know maybe preconceived uh prejudices I don't know but whatever the case what happened last night with Chris Collinsworth Justin Fields and Andy Dalton um is unacceptable it's it's unacceptable and don't get me wrong I like Andy Dalton. I like the Red Rifle, Canelo Dalton, right? And, you know, them wanting to ease Justin Fields into whatever they're trying to do, whatever. So it's not a beef with Andy Dalton, who's had a very good career, made the Bengals serviceable for a long period of time, you know, kept the Cowboys around, you know, playoffs, conversation at least when Dak went down. It's not a, a horrible play. It's not a terrible play. It's a very serviceable 
quarterback. But according to Chris Collins' work, he was using all of these subtle racist stereotypes. You know, at one point, and this was probably the point that pissed me off uh, the most, right? Andy Dalton threw a pass. Wasn't a particularly uh, interesting. It was just a pass. They're like seven yards, right? I don't think he completed a pass over 10 yards. But seven-yard pass, you know, three-step, five-step drop, threw the pass, and that was it. Chris Collinsworth lost his mind. He said that when Justin Fields gets in the field in the, in the film room, he's going to look at that. He's going to learn from that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they didn't do that at Ohio State. Now, it's, it's, it's a fact that Ohio State had a more sophisticated passing game than BYU, than Clemson. These are facts. Like, go go look it up. These are facts. Then, you know, even Alabama. These are facts. These are not, it's not me making this up. These are the actual, you know, people that break down the tape, break down the play calls, break down the progressions and things like that. Much more sophisticated than, than Clemson. No one, though, has ever questioned, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is, you know, quote unquote, smart enough to know to make a seven-yard pass. So, it's little stuff like that. And then at the end of the game, all he talked about was Justin Fields is fast. Uh, if they want to, you know, have a dominant running attack, they need to have Justin Fields back there because he's athletic. All of these stereotypes, never once, never once did he point out that, A, Justin Fields was more accurate in college than Trevor Lawrence. He threw the ball downfield more accurately than almost any all of the, the quarterbacks that was in his draft class. He has a rocket for an arm. He threw for six touchdowns against a Clemson defense that was filled with NFL you know, players. He's clutch. He's played hurt. He's come from behind in victory. Nothing about quarterbacking. It was like He's basically black, so he has to be, you know, Lamar Jackson. And, you know, Fields was recruited as a pocket passer who just happened to be athletic. You know, just because you're athletic, that doesn't mean that you aren't a quarterback. That's a color of your skin type of thing. It reminds me of when people would say that, you know, James Winston was a running quarterback or Byron Leftwich. Just because they were black. It's something that has to change. And when it happens on national TV and you're talking, you got to understand a lot of these fans are MAGA fans, white fans, and you have a white guy sitting there just drilling into your brain these stereotypes that, well, he must not be able to pass. He must just be a runner. You know, I'm pretty sure that Justin Fields could have, you know, got 14 points against the Rams. Like, I could see if if Andy Dalton had put up 30. They put up 14. And they had, you know, opportunities. I could see if the Red Rifle was out here, you know, drilling 15-yard out passes or going, you know, hitting these deep passes. He, he didn't complete a pass over 10 yards. Go look at Allen Robinson's uh, route tree. It's all underneath stuff. So it's one thing, that, you know, then they, oh, that was the other thing before I even stop here. 
they tried to compare him to Alex Smith. You know, Alex famously, Alex Smith started for a year before they brought in Patrick Mahomes. But it's two things that are that are that they don't tell you about with that, right? Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl, All Pro, MVP candidate while he was with the Chiefs. He went fifty and twenty six with the Chiefs. And so he was an entrenched starter that was playing at a high level that was taking uh, the Chiefs team to the playoffs and getting some MVP consideration. So when you have that, you draft a young quarterback. And and also it's a lot of revisionist history. No one, and I mean absolutely no one, thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be what Patrick Mahomes is right now. And I'm not saying they didn't think he was going to be good. I'm not saying they didn't think he was going to be a serviceable starting quarterback, even a pro bowler, potentially an all-pro. Hell, maybe even an MVP. But no one thought that this, you know, they were getting the second coming of Dan Marino with wheels. They Nobody knew that. So it wasn't like, you know, Patrick Mahomes was the number one pick and had all of this, you know, thing. I mean, I mean, at Texas Tech, he was... It was good, but they well, it wasn't great teams. He wasn't winning national championships. So it's a totally different situation. Eddie Dalton's on a one-year deal. It's not the long-term solution. He wasn't a solution last year. He was a backup. I just hate to see it. The media poisons your mind and makes you believe things that's not true. There is no, There is nothing on God green earth that suggests that Justin Fields is any more or less ready to start than Zach Wilson, than Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, or whoever else. (laughs) There's nothing to suggest that. And one could suggest that the Bears have more talent than the Jags, than the Jets. Therefore, the opportunity to do big things with your rookie quarterback is there. But alas, it's not happening. What in the blue hell? Kwame Brown just went on a rant. Haven't heard from Kwame in a while. I should I should rephrase that. He's been doing, you know, videos, but he's been getting into it with other YouTubers and some other stuff and, and people really just care about the sports side of it, the Stephen A. Smith and the Stephen Jackson Jackson and uh, Becky with the blue hair, whatever, Becky with the blonde hair, Becky with the good hair, right, 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 <laughs> so he really hasn't um, been in the news, you know, lately, but, you know, he's been doing his thing or whatever, he's been having some baby mama drama with some child support, I don't know, anyway, he, he's back trending today, uh, the reason being is he's upset uh, that Russell Westbrook was out in New York uh, in a skirt and some ankle boots. And, and that made him upset. He doesn't feel like, you know, men should be walking around in dresses and ankle boots and skirts. I mean, that's actually uh, a real thing in uh, cinema. Where, you know, they would have, you know, black men kind of emasculate them. By having them wear, you know, dresses. Then you got the whole, like, Medea thing. You know, so, I mean, it's a thing, definitely, where 
there are people that feel like black men um, get emasculated uh, by, you know, wearing dresses and being feminine and things of, of that nature. So it's a thing, obviously. Um, when it comes to Russell Westbrook, I think that's just more his fashion thing. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's it. he just does that. I mean, he's he's married with three kids. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think he's, like, secretly gay or anything. I just think that's just his thing. I mean, he just wears weird stuff. That's what rich people do, <laughs> you know. You know, you, I mean, you got to kind of go back. It's interesting. We're in an interesting time when it comes to masculinity. Um, during, you know, like, I would say my mom's heyday. <laughs> Well, I guess it was like this. This my mom used to tell me she was a brick house back in the day. I was like, Mom, please don't tell me that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that. But I guess you know her heyday. You know, before I came along, uh, you know, back in the seventies, maybe early eighties. That was her heyday. And you know, if you go back to that time, uh, you know, the outfits were pretty, uh, you know, out there. You know, if you look at like the Parliament. <laughs> You look at Ronald Wisely and the boys. Will you stop scratching the floor, Marcus? I'm doing a podcast. I don't know what's wrong with the dog. Uh, you know, those outfits were pretty out there. There's a lot of feathers in the air. The, the, the pants were something, a lot of no buttons on the shirts. It was, so it was, it, was, it was pretty out there. You know, but then, you know, there was this change, I would say, mid-80s, the late. Stop it, dog. <laughs> Uh, mid 80s uh, to late 80s it kind of comes in with NWA and stuff kind of comes in with that gangster uh, rap music where now you know that wasn't you know it was you know white tees dickies you know black you know black black a lot of black <laughs> you know everything was hard you know run DMC too not just you know West Coast you know my Adidas you know they had the leather jackets and stuff, you know, everybody, you know, P, you know, EP, EPMD, uh, public enemy, everything was hard, hard, everything was hard, and you know, that you know that you know, it was more of a kind of went harkened back to the '60s Black Power days, where you know the the, the Malcolm X and, and and those type of you know the Black Panthers, like it was very you know we're we're men. You know, it was, and the reason it was like that, like I know we're getting a little deep in the history lessons, but you got to understand is that black men have been emasculated by the white man for centuries. You know, you know, when you think about slavery, you know, you have another man whipping another man. You have another man that's indoctrinating another man. You have another man that's, that's taking the manhood from someone that is, you know, taking their wives and their sisters and, and doing what they want to them. There's nothing you could do. So the emasculation of the black man has been happening for, for centuries, for centuries. And so and there was, a, you know, as you got past the civil rights era, you got past segregation and all of that stuff. There was a, this period of time where it's like, we're not taking it, you know, anymore. And, you know, that's when you have this, this kind of era of like, you know, nah, we, we, we're men and you're not just going to talk to us any other way. You're not going to treat us just any other way. We're taking, you know, our masculinity uh, back. You know, fast forward to today, 
uh, we're in a strange, you know, period of time when it comes to to masculinity um, and, and things of that nature. You know, it's not something like I said I would talk about on the timeline because it's a nuanced topic and you can't talk to people be homophobic and everything. Like for instance, like say Little Nas X, right? I know what he's doing. Like it's promotion. It's 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 you know the sale records and stuff like that. So you know I get it. You know, like I, I, I get, I get it. You know, I understand what he's doing and that's his thing. And, you know, that's how you smart marketing on his part, because, you know, he was looking more like the one hit wonder. You know, if he, if he was just, you know, let's say he wasn't gay and he just was, you know, he had old town road and he, he didn't talk about his sexuality or anything like that. You know, that pretty much would be it. You know, there would be no Elton John uh, collaborations and Uber Eats commercials. So a lot of that is like marketing. So I don't get like, you know, how Boosie gets all upset and everything. But I'm like, you know, that's marketing. But I think the thing that people, that some people have an issue with. And, you know, there's really no way to quantify this. And the sense of it is, I think a lot of it has to do with your parenting in a way, so you say, I think the, the most common complaint that you hear from your Kwame Browns, from your little Boosies and others, you know, on social media and in, in other words, is that they're pushing an agenda on kids, on, on young, you know, young black kids. They're pushing this kind of gay agenda. They're seeing this on their television. They're seeing this in, their, you know, their social media and it pushes this kind of gay agenda, um, you know, on them. And, you know, to me, that's, you know, a little, you know, like I said, it's a lot dependent on what you're letting your child consume. You know, like, so for instance, if you have a 14-year-old son, well, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you know, is he consuming a little Nas X is, or, you know, he's seeing Russell Westbrook in a skirt and it's causing him to, you know, feel a certain way. I don't, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a very, very, very fine line. It's a very, very fine line. You know, this whole thing about gender fluidity and, and not knowing, you know, who you are and not, you know, you know, like I, what was it? I think it was something that I thought was the stupidest thing ever, like Target or something said that they're no longer going to have girl toys or boy toys. Because nobody knows what they like and all of this. See, I that, you know, I don't agree with, right? I do agree with, you know, when you're an adult, you know, live your lifestyle however you want to live your lifestyle. But, you know, as a child, you know, you come out one or two ways. You know, like, th- that's just the way it is. Like, there's no hidden agenda that you, you come out, you know, as a boy or you come out, you know, as a girl. And those are two different things you know like it's you know men and women aren't like the same we're not just one blend you know not like a worm or anything we're not like uh i I know the term but i'm gonna mess it up but you know it's not like we're all same sex it's like there's boys there's girls we have different things we grow in different you know ways like our anatomy and you know is different so yeah like when a kid comes out yeah it's, it's okay it's a boy. It's okay to use boy colors and 
you know, give them a baseball bat or whatever, right? Like, if it's a girl, like, yeah, it's some, nothing's wrong with pink. There's absolutely nothing, you know, wrong with, you know, pink or blue. You know, I have a little girl. She's adorable. She's in little girl stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she don't know. She's not even one. How does she know? You know, we're just putting on an outfit and a, and a pamper. So she, she can't think like, hmm, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm not... I don't want to put on this pink. She don't even, she probably knows colors. You know, there's a time and a place when you can make those type of decisions, but it's not then. You know, like if they grow up and they're like, hey, I, you know, I want to play baseball, I, you know, or whatever. Like, that's fine. Like, you know, but, you know, you, if, if, my, you know, I don't think you should have, like, if you have a son, you know, he shouldn't be wearing dresses. <laughs> at like three like I think that's weird like that's that's not just something that you should do or should be putting on makeup and stuff like that that's pushing an agenda and that's what's odd to me that's what's funny to me is because people say you know you should let your child choose and and all of this stuff and but if you're letting them wear makeup and dresses you aren't making a choice like that has to be kind of pushed you know, because how else would a three-year-old get a dress? How, you know what I mean? How would a three-year-old boy get a dress? How would a three-year-old boy get lipstick? You know, how, how, why would a three-year-old boy is like, I want to be a princess? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be some sort of mental manipulation, you know, for that. But like I said, that's a nuanced conversation that a lot of people probably aren't ready to have. Brittany Renner is back trending uh, because she said it's uh, step daddy season you know you're not the step daddy you're the daddy that stepped up <laughs> once again like you know the, the thing about Brittany is this is that she's unapologetically honest like you know someone said oh man I can't believe uh, PJ Washington got finesse and then somebody else is like who's gonna be her next victim and and all this stuff. And I was thinking to myself, can you really be a victim if you know what the crime is going to be in advance? You know what I mean? Like, for instance, if I was at the grocery store, right, and I ran into somebody and they said, listen, Rob, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rob your house, right, at 12 midnight, okay? That's when we're going to rob your house. I'm just letting you know in advance that we're going to rob your house at 12 midnight while you're gone say I was gone like we know you're leaving you know you're going out of town so come in at midnight Rob take all your TVs we're out of here and I say okay and then I leave the door open and they just walk in and do it am I really a victim? I mean if she's telling you in advance what it's all about or, or can you beat or how are you getting finesse? put the cards on the table table on the cards there's no she told look somebody asked to say i don't want to i want to make some money how find an athlete they're dumb <laughs> find an nba player that's stupid that's the easy way to get a check told you up front it's like right now she like, looks at baby daddy season who's next it's like goldberg surprised she don't walk on instagram with security and those little little 
flat, the uh, sparklers. Hanging out with Kevin Gates, of all people. I got two phones. It's a touch in advance. In advance. Well, you can't be mad about that, can you? I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's odd to me. Like, it can't be finesse. It's telling you up front. I mean, I guess you could feel bad for P.J. Washington. He's young and stupid. I mean, we're all young and stupid at some point. I think we've all made certain decisions that we're like, man, that was pretty stupid. I wish I'd have cut this off a long time ago. But a lot of times you get fooled because they tell you one thing and they do another. This is not that. She's telling you what she's going to do, when she's going to do it. I mean, there's video evidence of this. So can you really be mad at her? People calling names and stuff like that. I don't think that's right. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not into the name calling and all of that stuff. You know, if someone is unapologetically who they are and you still decide to, you know, deal with them, you know, then that's on, you know, that's kind of on you, not on them. Right? We got to, we got to take a little more responsibilities for our own, you know, actions here. So, so you know, you guys have to, you know, stop calling the names, you know, because I'm sure, I'm a hundred percent sure, there's other ball players in those DMs, other rappers that are in those DMs, regular dudes working at Amazon in those DMs. So if something happens, I mean, she told you up front. <laughs> so I mean, that's on you. You want to be a dummy, you know. What was it play stupid games, win stupid prizes? Uh, hello. The Injustice League. People might not like this segment, but listen, it's true. What I'm about to tell you is 100 percent true. And once again, nuanced conversations that you know can't be had on the timeline. But I feel like we could talk about them here because it's important to know, and because it's all about education. Are you educating yourself, you know, as you get older? I wish I knew some of this stuff when I was younger. But you, you just learn as you go along. You're like, man, you know, when I really think about that, uh, that's wild. That's crazy. You know, 9-11 just passed. And I think everybody who can remember um, definitely remembers what, uh, where they were when 9-11 when happened. You know, so we're talking was it, 20 years ago. So I was in my uh, early, early 20s, late teens, early 20s. And I was working uh, at the call center, uh, AT&T. Was it at and I think it was AT&T. They were selling long distance back when that was kind of a thing. Like, you know, back then people actually had like house phones. <laughs> I think yeah, I think I think I was selling uh I think I was selling long distance packages. Because um, remember back then, you know, before everybody had cell phones and everything was unlimited long distance, like it used to cost. And you had to get like you get a long distance and long distance packaging was a competitive market. Like AT and T may give you five hundred free minutes and then five cent a minute after that. And uh who else was there? Southwestern Bell. Remember Southwestern Bell? 
you know, they give you, uh, you know, a thousand minutes, but, you know, 10 cent, you know, a minute long distance after that. It was a, it was a thing uh, before uh, cell phones. It, it surely was a thing before cell phones. Uh, but anyway, I was working at the call center and I used to listen to a morning show. Uh, oh, it's a black guy. He's been in the Tom Joyner. He's listening to Tom Joyner in the morning every day. Because, you know, this is back when people actually listen to the radios in the car. Um, and I had a hoopty. So, I'd listen to Tom Joyner uh, in the morning every day on the drive, you know, to work. Because I, I had the early uh, shift. And I remember, you know, driving in. When I got to the parking lot, they were cutting into the, uh, the, the show talking about how I played. You know, it hit one of the, the towels. And at first, I, you know, I was like, well, I just figured it was a regular, like, plane, you know, accident, right? Um, like, you know, it was something happened and, you know, it was an accident in front of the plane. I remember I walked into work. You got to realize this is, like, pre-social media. Like, 2001, you know, I think the social media that, you know, they had, maybe MySpace was around back then and maybe Black Planet. You know, Facebook, I think you still have to have a college, um, like, email to get on it. It just wasn't the way. There were smartphones, and, you know, you actually had to call people, you know, at the house to get in touch with you. Had, we had beepers back then, back in 2001. Uh, so, you know, the information wasn't flowing like it, you know, would today. So, I remember I walked in. And when I walked into the call center, we had a break room with like a couple of old TVs. I'm talking, I don't know, flat screens back then, like just the old TVs you put on an actual table. And as soon as I walked in, this, that's when the second plane hit. Everybody was kind of just in there already, the people that were there earlier. The second plane hit and just like happened while I was watching. Nobody knew what to do. Um, uh, you know, nobody knew what to do. And then all of a sudden, like, all of the, the, the phones and stuff started blowing up. And it, it just was a, people were calling other people. Because at that time, once again, you know, you, you wasn't getting your information the way that you get it now. You didn't know it was under attack. Right? Like, a lot of people thought this was, like, a full-fledged, like, countrywide, U.S.-wide, you know, attack. And it was going to be happening you know, all over. And eventually, uh, they sent us home. And, you know, when they sent me home, I remember I was driving. I remember uh, where, I, where I stayed back then was maybe about 10 minutes from the airport in St. Louis. And I remember I was pulling up and I saw a plane, like, flying overhead and just taking off. And I'm like, hey, man, is that the next one? It was really traumatic, I think, for anyone. And, of course, you go home and you watch. At that time, you just, you know, would watch CNN and watch all of the stuff. And the the information would trickle in, you know, at that time. And, and you know, it was what it was. And, obviously, terrible, terrible event uh, for many, many uh, people. You know, many, many people lost their lives. And, and when you not just lose your life, you got to understand that these people had families kids, wives, husbands, you know, moms, dads, aunt, uncles. So the, the, the traumatic effect spreads, you know, like a, it's a domino effect. 
And, you know, you don't get over stuff like that. Like, no matter if it's 10 years, 20 years, you know, 40 years. So, you know, 20-year anniversary, you see a lot of tributes. You saw the NFL had a tribute. And, you know, the, the, one of the girls, that's, the girl that sung the national anthem, her dad had died. Like, this is really sad, sad stuff. And it should be sad because, you know, terrorism in any form is bad, right? Right? We would agree with that. You know how you felt on that day when this happened to the, you know, United States of America. But it was interesting to me because... Just a day earlier, and this was not like a, this, is not a rumor, it's not anything like this. In the New York Times, they had a big report on how the U.S. had a sent a drone attack um, somewhere in Afghanistan, and they sent this drone attack because they thought this guy uh, was transporting uh, bombs to potentially blow up the airport. And so when they caught him um, allegedly doing that, they sent the drone to blow up his car with a minute and, you know, the bombs in it. And then they said that, you know, the drone identified that he was in the car, which just him. And before he even shut the engine off, they sent the drone and bam, they, they blew him up and they talked about it. They got this ISIS guy. They blew him up before he was able to do all of this stuff. And everybody celebrated and everything. But then this New York Times article came out. Come to find out, don't know if the guy was part of ISIS, part of the Taliban or any of that. But what we do know is that he didn't have any bombs with him. He had jugs of water that he was bringing to his family because, you know, the, the water supply has been all jacked up since the Taliban has taken over. And the second thing that we found out is that when the drone struck him, it just didn't kill him. Killed several members of his family and several children in the village. Twin girls. I think the ages were like 5, 7, 11. And they asked the United States, the government, about this. They said, well, there's reports that he, all he had was water. And even if he didn't, though, you guys sent this drone. He didn't, you know, you, you blew him up. But you also killed, like, several children and innocent people in this village. And you know what the United States said? No comment to that. It got me thinking. And like I said, this may not be for everyone. Like, how much have we been brainwashed into thinking that we aren't as bad as some of the people that we're always saying that are bad? Are we terrorists too? If, if we're willing to sacrifice children over some, let's say, not so reliable intel... <laughs> We any better than them? When our own people stormed the Capitol, took over the building, had plans of an insurrection, wanted to overthrow the government, is that any better than a 
they do? I mean, how many kids have we murdered in all of these wars that we participated in? How many innocent people lives were lost because we were trying to kill others? And how is that justifiable when if that is done to us, we speak about it, about how that's bad, that's terrible. Let's use the example. Let's say a terrorist from another country decided that they wanted to take out a high-ranking government official. Right? Just think about this. This could be your neighborhood, anybody's neighborhood. And they put a car bomb in this government official's car. Assuming when he gets in, you know, boom. But let's say he decided this at this day to go with his family. Him, his wife, his two twins. And they get in the car and it goes boom. And think about then someone saying, well, the ends justified the means. How would you feel about that? Not great, I would imagine. Now, I say all this to say that, not to go all matrix and everything on you, but everything is not what it appears to be. You know, we also we always talk about how the Taliban and, and all of these other people have this like propaganda, you know, to manipulate things to make it seem like these things are are bad and therefore justifiable. And yes, they got suicide bombers and all of this other stuff, but we have hundreds of mass shootings in our own country every day. Do we not also have propaganda? Because there was a ton of 9-11, you know, promotion. There's a ton of 9-11 tributes. But I didn't hear too many people talk about how we just killed several children with some shoddy intel. Just something to think about. Speaking of people that kind of tell the truth and you just have to deal with it one way or the other, Stephen A. Smith uh, came out and said that, you know, he didn't want Max Kellerman on first take anymore and uh, they didn't have a good partnership and he basically, he didn't get him fired because uh, Max got some different opportunities going on, but, he, you know, he kicked him off the show. And he's very honest about it. I, I'm, and I'm glad because everybody knew that was the truth, so there's no need to, to lie about it. You know, when you say, hey, man, the rumors are true, that's always a thing. And, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I don't know. Like, the reason they were the number one show is because, you know, they had the number one slot now on ESPN, as opposed to a long time they used to just be on ESPN, too, for people that don't uh, remember. Um, I think two things happened. First off, I think Max got tired of yelling. Um, and I mean that in the, in the nicest way. Um, you know, Max is not... He is passion. He has passion, but his passion is like about boxing. 
And, you know, sometimes, you know, these topics are, are pretty straightforward, but, you know, it's, it's entertainment. The E in ESPN stands for entertainment. And he, he just got tired. I mean, five years of Stephen A yelling at you will, uh, will get to you. And I think there was a part of Stephen A that was, I wouldn't say envious or jealous. I, w- I wouldn't use those words, but when people like Terrell Owens comes on and says, you know, Max is more black than you, I, I think that rubbed him the wrong way. You know, I think he feels like, and in some ways he is. He's, he's a pioneer of, of black uh, sports media entertainment. Uh, but, you know, there are times where you, you, you know that his loyalties are to the almighty uh, dollar. So I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that they got rid of him. I, I think, you know, Michael Irvin is, is more of, a, of an entertainer. And then you can just kind of, you know, feed people to it. Basically, to give you an example, Stephen A would be like, you know, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you know, you want to feed him you know, different guys, but, you know, he's the guy, he's Roman Reigns, he's, you know, he's, you know, that, that type, he's Goldberg, you know, he's that, that type of guy, I mean, I hope Max does more boxing, because, you know, we definitely need it, speaking of boxing, you know, you, 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 you know, normally I buy every pay-per-view, um, I did not buy the Evander Holyfield uh, pay-per-view, I mean, the only reason Evander is fighting is because he's, he lost all his money, and, you know, a lot of the $5 million that he made is going to go to cover a lot of debts that he has. So while, you know, that money's going to go away quickly, at least it may ease up some of his uh, creditors. Advantage is waiting on all of his kids to get grown so he can stop, you know, paying the child support and things of that nature. Um, so I don't know why he did it. But, you know, people are arguing, you know, about that. You know, is it a spectacle and all of this other stuff? You know, it's, it's, you know, it's just, once again, it's just entertainment. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's only entertainment. <laughs> you don't have to, that's why I don't say, you don't have to consume it if you don't want it. If you don't like it, you don't have to. You know, boxing is always going to be around. It's a global uh, sport. And I shouldn't say always. You never know what's going to happen in 100 years, but I won't be here to see it. You know, but, you know, it's, it's going to have its ups and it's downs, and it's in a weird period now where, where you're getting these old guys or UFC guys. There's a reason all the UFC guys and the YouTubers want to box. There's more money to it. You don't see too many YouTubers like, I want to get into the octagon. <laughs> that there's a reason, you know, for that. And just this last thing, because it really grinds my gears. Uh, you know, RG3, who definitely has some self-esteem um, issues, Told a terrible joke about Jameis Winston and the crab legs and all of that stuff. It's just a bad joke because, you know, RG3 is, I mean, it's kind of corny. I mean, that's just, that's just, it just is what it is. And this is, that look, and I defended him when they called him a cornball uh, brother, you know, back in the day. But, you know, he's proven, you know, that he is kind of a cornball brother. Terrible joke, right? And he was getting cooked for it. And so he went on, but then after he was getting cooked, he said, he was being bullied on social media because he talks proper and he's educated and he, you know, doesn't talk black enough and he doesn't wear black clothes and they're bullying him for it. And to me, you know, we just talked about brainwashing. This is another systematic societal brainwashing um, that happens. It, it, just, it happens because listen, listen to me when I tell you this, right? Is have, have, have any of you guys ever been to Texas? 
Dallas, Houston, Austin, whatever, San Antonio. Have you ever went to Texas? Have you ever went to, if you ever have been to Texas, right, and you ran into some white people in Texas, you know what they had? They have Southern accents or Texas accents, whatever you want to call it. You listen to Jerry Jones. He doesn't sound like, you know, he's from the UK. <laughs> he has a Southern drawl. But nobody, nobody ever says that, man, why don't those Texas people talk more proper, talk more white? You go to Boston? You go to anywhere in the, in the, on, the, on the East Coast, New York? You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever tells anybody from Boston, <laughs> nobody from Boston, that they should talk more proper-like, talk more white. It's only a black person thing. Nobody, you know, has ever been like, you know, and I learned this when I was a kid. Like I, I, I went to I went to elementary school. It was all black kids at the elementary school, and you, if you were smart, you know, that's like a bad thing. You had to you had to pretend not to be smart at this black elementary school. Then I went to this white high school, and surprisingly, you know, there were smart kids. They were also popular. Shockingly, right? <laughs> Like wow, this is this is interesting. It's brainwashed. You've been brainwashed as a black person to think, to think that you know if you have an accent, if you, I mean I mean I'm maybe not wearing a skirt, but you know if you dress whatever the way the hell you dress, if you like certain things, all of a sudden that means you're not black enough. That's brainwashing, and then the brainwashing has a a, a double play, a double entree one would say effect in the sense that then if you do do these things all of a sudden that means that somehow you're not you're you're superior to black people well i'm smart so i'm i'm a better black person well, I, I have my education i'm a better black person i wear polos and khakis i'm the superior black and it's stupid like it's just dumb it's a double brainwashing type of thing like you shouldn't have to be like people are bullying me because I'm educated. Like, that's just a, like, for white people, that's a normal thing. Like, education is normal. Right? You know, like, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not something to be like, ooh. It's the brain, we've been brainwashed. Everybody talks a little different. Everybody has a different, you know, voice. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> You know, and it go it goes even deeper. You had to get this white woman. You think you know? Oh, I got the you know white woman. I, I saw, you know, and, and that's that's a that's a tricky thing too. Like I saw a picture. Uh, they were showing the I guess I guess the kids were from Florida. There was football players from Florida. It was like four or five football players. They all had white girls. And everybody was like, "Ooh, Doctor Umar." And I'm like, you know, it's it's tough, like because you don't you don't know what these kids are thinking. You don't know if they're like thinking that yeah, I need a you know a white woman because they have all of these stereotypes against you know black women because of the brainwashing, or eh, it's like the white girl. It's just it's it's we've been brainwashed, we've been manipulated, we've been told certain things that are untrue. Uh, we're held to higher standards as black black people than any other race. You know, it's just it, it's you know. It's to the point where, like, it's like I said, it's a double entree. So, like, you know, if you dating a white woman, and that you could be like the coolest black man in the, on the planet, if it's be really regular old black guy, you just say you just happen to run into 
the white girl, and she was cool. But now you're getting hit from it from both ways. Yeah, sell out you this, you that, you that. Oh, you hate black women or something. Like, it literally could just be that you just ran into someone that's a truly a nice person. That does happen. But because there's the flip side of that of, of black men who talk down to black women and then go find their white queen, it's like you have to deal with it. It's like black people have to deal with so much. It's amazing that we're even able to function in this society. And when I say that, is that we're dealing with, you know, from both sides, double entree. We're dealing from, from both sides. We've been brainwashed so much that our own people are some of our biggest enemies on top of our real enemies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to watch your front and watch your back, like the Wu-Tang said. Our own people sometimes are our own worst enemies. And then we have to deal with the actual enemies that are in front of us. Like I said, I thought for a long time it would be the enemies that, you know, that didn't look like me that was the ones I would have to worry about. But that wasn't it. It was my own people. People I put food in their mouth. Put them on. Own people stabbed me in the back. It's crazy, right? It's just a lot that we have to deal with. And I think RG3, he's just been brainwashed. You know, he's been, he doesn't even, like, I don't even think he knows who he is. <laughs> he ain't been brainwashed. Remember he's talking about his, his white girl had a big booty and people, are, you know, hating or all that. Like, nobody cares, bro. <laughs> like, you just make it into more than what it really is. Like, the joke was bad. You know, nobody cares about your white woman in her sundress. Like, you just make it into more because you're confused about everything. You think people are bullying you. And I get it because, you know, they did call him a cornball brother. But one of the reasons they call you a cornball is because you act like one. <laughs> if you act corny, people are going to tell you that you're corny. Just something to think about. It's Monday. I have to get a lot off my chest. <laughs> Hey, go check out the Substack, uh, bsotv.substack.com. Subscribe. Uh, if you want to get the membership, you get the exclusive uh, content. Like, I was the first one that, that told people about uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, them calling old boy a murderer. Didn't seem to bother him when he played <laughs> this weekend. But I appreciate that. You guys have a good week. I'm out. I appreciate you listening. Please follow me on Twitter at BSO. Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, and YouTube, B-S-O-T-V. Big shout out to ABF Creative for helping put this podcast together. I'm out.